Welcome to another episode of Tabletops and Travelers, the actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast where we demonstrate that you don't need a production crew and highly paid voice actors to have fun playing D&D. Last week, our adventurers found themselves confronted by a strange man in the tavern they were staying at and landed a sweet deal from the king due to the lack of available adventurers. They began their mission with harsh negotiations and a shopping spree. What will they get up to next? Stick around and find out as we continue our adventure. Hey everybody, this is Arthur Wright. I am the Torturer of Players, also known as the Dungeon Master. Hi, I'm Taylor, and I'm playing Zephyr the Tiefling Rogue. Hi everybody, my name is Rachel Bloom, and I am playing an Aladrin Bard named Aspen. Hi everybody, my name is Larry Norris, and I play Lysmo Dinklecog, the Gnome Barbarian. Can we go now? Yes, let's go get you some stabby things. Oh, and when we get back to the inn, I can dole out these health potions. Um, I think we have enough for almost everyone to have one, so I would assume we can just each take one and hopefully not die on each other. That sounds fantastic. And I'll take, like, three gold pieces out of my bag and then just, like, give the rest to you. So oh, that's the 29 gold. <laughs> Uh, I would much rather, um, you owe me, possibly in the future, instead of taking your money. Maybe some point whenever I'm in mortal danger, you come and save me. I'm not very good in a fight, but I would love to keep you alive and help all of you. And I kind of hand you your gold back. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we can work something out. I'm a pretty tough guy. I'll try to make it easy on you and just kind of stay in the back and, you know, cast spells. <laughs> that would be preferable. Right, of course. Do you try and give one to try and give one to Edeline? Yes. Uh no, keep it for you. Uh I, I'm I have magic, so it would be better if you had the extra one on He speaks. Okay. Um Yeah, so you do realize that that that, that does that doesn't happen often. <laughs> Thank you, Ederline. Um, don't worry if you die at some point or go unconscious, we will bring you back. Uh, and then I kind of take the, the potion and I kind of gesture between Lysmo and Zypher. And I'm like, do either of you want an extra one, maybe? Or should I just hold on to it until someone uses theirs? Why don't you just hold on to it? Then maybe you could like shove it down our throats if we, we become incapacated. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> okay, so we're going now. Yes. Yeah. Um, if I hear one more thing about pregnant people, I might throw up. Uh, that that is understandable. Um, so I don't know where the stabby shop is, but I assume you do. So I'll just follow you. I have a natural sense for where stabby things are. Yeah, so do I. Just follow me, guys. And then I walk, obviously, into, like, a tanning. <laughs> Aspen doesn't even notice. She's trying to complete her entry about uh, Rook and the troll. Yeah, Lysmo and Zephyr, you can both give me a, a perception check. That's a five. Wow. I got another nat 20. Well, good. Nat 20 is good. You are on fire. Okay, so Zephyr... Does not see it, but Lysmo, you definitely can tell. You look down the street of, of like a little ways further, and you can see the billowing of smoke of the smith. You know where you would probably expect there's a smith down there somewhere, and their and their forge is running. 
Okay, well then I'll uh lead the way on down there. Uh again, kind of dodging around people and trying to keep my distance from uh people just walking down the street, but still stay reasonably close to the party. You just can work your way down down the street um towards the smoke that you saw. Uh and you do come across this uh small shop. Not not really small, but it's but not huge either. Um and right beside the shop is a forge uh and there's obviously the smoke's coming up coming up out of the forge. You can hear the tinging of the hammer hitting 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 metal. There are um a couple of younger looking dwarves here that are running around doing various things. Uh and then right in front of the forge is this large dwarf. Probably the largest dwarf you've seen in your entire life. He stands probably close to five feet tall. He's got a big bushy black beard that's wild and unkempt, same same as his long hair coming down off his back. And he's he looks quite large, and he's just swinging a hammer, and he's you know hitting on something, you know dipping it into the fire, and hitting hitting pulling it, uh, and he's going away, slamming away, bit making some. Um, Zephyr will walk right up to him and just be like, "Let's let's talk about weapons. What do you what do you have available?" Uh, he kind of turns and looks at you, and he has these very bright like sea green eyes. Uh, and he's kind of a little bit shocked to to see you. He was. Obviously, like, uh, you know, very much into what he was doing. Um, hi, Lassie. Uh, what are you be looking for? I'm interested in what, maybe swords or axes, something sharp, pointy, anything like that. Well, I got to be plenty of uh, different weapons here. Uh, I got axes, I got swords. Is there something particular, though, besides just anything with a point on it? Uh, what about a long sword? I have a long, I have a couple of long swords. He he takes the thing that he's working on right the second. He kind of puts his he kind of puts his hammer down. He takes the thing, dips it in the he just sticks it like right in the bucket of water. Uh, ah, follow follow me, Lassie. He's got like this dirty leather apron on. Um, you can see that his hands are obviously very well calloused and and burnt, and you know it's probably some of the skin is kind of melted in various areas for where he probably just reaches right in the fire and grabs things. I feel like it's probably very warm in there, and Zephyr just kind of feels at home. She's from mm-hmm. the second circle of hell. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of works his way towards the towards the shop part of it. Uh, ah! Children, make sure the forge keeps on running. Don't let it die down. I got my, I got me work to do. And he kind of goes in, and he goes into this little, little tiny shop, and you go into the shop, and there's various weapons, uh, very uh just kind of haphazardly laying around the shop like on top of on top of like boxes or on top of the counter there's just various weapons kind of thrown on top of the counter and stuff um Zephyr has a huge smile on her face which is pretty rare well we can't see it because of your mask right i was just saying we can't see it (laughs) well you know you're right (laughs) i was just gonna say that yeah and he kind of pushes a few things like off the counter and drops them on the ground uh, and he's like, ah, here's a. He pulls out. He's, he like, pulls one out, sticks it underneath like his left his left arm. He's looking. He ends up grabbing like three or four different swords, and he kind of walks over to you and pulls out from underneath his arm. And he's like, uh, let, let me see, Lassie. Kind of holds one up to you, taking a look. Like, ah, not that one. Maybe not here. You hold this, and he hands one of them to you. Maybe this will work. Uh, ah, not that. That's not going to work either. Ah, maybe these two. These two look like they might. Uh, be about your size and uh, weighted perfectly for you. She kind of twirls, you know, not twirls, but like spins it to test to test the weight and everything, and says, "This feels good." 
How much? Uh, give me a give me a perception check. Sixteen. Okay, so one of them is definitely better made than the other one. Um, the, you kind of spin them both both around. One of them definitely feels much more comfortable than than the other one. Okay, so she sets the other one down, uh, but doesn't like want him to put it away just yet, um, and just says okay. like. Tell me about the sword. How much is it going to cost? Um, you know, or if there's any other information about it. Hey, that is one I. That is one of my better weapons that I've made. In recent years. You see. Normally, I would sell a long sword for fifteen gold pieces. That one is of an exceptional quality. Uh, you can give me Zephyr. Give me a charisma. Give me a persuasion. Can I give her bardic inspiration? Okay. Uh, that's a 21. Okay, I'll roll a d6 too. I'll say no to that. All right, uh, 23. I haven't seen one of your kind around here in quite some time. That one there is particularly special. I could give you that one for about 100 gold Can pieces. I roll intimidation or something? It's well worth it. Ooh, I definitely do not have that much gold. Um, you could certainly try if you'd like to, to do something like that. <laughs> I have 40 gold, so I'll try it. <laughs> Oh, nope, sorry, that was investigation. So what are you going to try and do? Um, I'm just going to try to, like, stare him down. Like, I have black eyes, so I'm just going to, like, try to meet his gaze and just, um, just see if he buckles. Okay. Uh, 15. Nope, he seems to stare you right, right down. Um, you, you do notice, too, that, I mean, you do, like, as you stare into, like, his sea green eyes, that that's a little unsettling for you, too. You don't know if you've ever seen a dwarf with, with this color of eyes, which is kind of strange. Um, but he kind of stares at, you know, you kind of stare back and forth at each other, and probably after, like, 15 seconds, it's always like, so does this mean you're interested in the sword, or no? Um, how much would you give me for this short sword? And I show him my short sword. I can give you about five gold pieces for this sword. Five gold? Okay, so how much is the less expensive long sword? Ah, uh, that one I can give you, I can give that to you for ten gold pieces. Alright, I'll take it. Anything else that you and your friends be needing, Lassie? I turn around and look at them. Well, uh, my axe, like, I kind of just uh, took a big person axe and uh, cut the handle off a little bit with a little with a hacksaw um, to make it more about my size. Uh, do you have, uh, you know, your dwarves are uh, very similar stature to the uh, us gnomes. Um, so maybe you have like a, a gnome sized battle uh, uh, axe that I could uh, uh, purchase from you. Ah, yeah, I'm sure I got something like, like that. And he kind of, he goes behind the counter this time, and you see, like, because, uh, again, he's pretty big, right? He's, he's up above the counter, which, um, you know, you'd think, you're, you're, like, standing, if you look at the counter, like, the counter is above your head, um, but for him, it's up to about, like, his shoulders, you know? He's, looks like he's going through some, he's looking on the shelves and going through some boxes and pulling out some various things, like, I think this will do for you. And he kind of sets his axe up on the counter. All right, I pick it up and uh, kind of spin it around a little bit. I need to do a perception check. Oh, uh, sure. Give me a perception check. 18. It seems like a decent axe. Um, it's definitely uh, it's not anything special, but it's not bad either. The quality's decent. It'll definitely do do the job for it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I uh, made that axe for a, for an adventurer some time ago who came through here and never came, came back to get it. I'm wondering if the lad is dead. Did he happen to prepay for it and like this is just free for me? Uh, no, but I can, I could give you a discount on it, I think. 
Okay, because we are on a mission for the king, uh, you know, with top oh, yeah, priority. I mention that. <laughs> name drop. Oh, I, think, I think you picked up, you dropped the name over there. You should pick that back up. Um, <laughs> give me a persuasion check with, with advantage. Plus okay. bardic inspiration. Uh, <laughs> plus bardic inspiration. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm throwing uh, it all in. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, seventeen was my highest uh, with uh, party king inspiration. D six, yep. Three twenty. Okay. Um, I I can give that to you for five gold pieces. Oh, done, done. And I hand him <laughs> seven gold pieces. Ah. <laughs> Two extra for your silence. Very good, thank you. You need any sort of uh, other, uh, you know, weapons or armor in the future? Come on back and see me. Absolutely. You look like a, a, a fantastic guy. I'm sorry about your eye condition. It's very similar <laughs> to my skin condition. Aspen steps in really quickly to change the subject. I'm not much for, you know, the stabby things. Uh, but do you by chance have like a, a bag of ball bearings or anything else that I could get a little tricky with? Yeah, he'll pull out a bag. It's, you know, it's quite heavy. Puts it down on the counter in front of you. How much would that be? Uh, seeing as you've all been so so nice amongst you and you're working for the king and all uh seven silver pieces done appreciate it and i like kind of grunt and try to pick it up i'm like oh god this is heavy <sighs> and don't worry i got it's you only, it's only <laughs> it's only a couple it's only a couple pounds worth but it's but it's definitely like you know there's definitely a lot in there. Me over here with my negative one strength i'm like oh god this never giggles because she has ball bearings too what about you, Adderman? Do you need anything? No, I think I'm okay. I have I have my adventuring equipment. I think I'm ready to go. Fantastic. So anything special you guys want to get done today um, other than this little, little, little bit of shopping, or should we jump right to the next morning? Let's jump. Or I'm good to jump if you guys are. I'm down for the next morning. Nothing in particular, but whenever we got back to the end that evening, uh, Aspen would have kind of subtly asked around a little bit to try to get a vibe check on uh, the Duke that we are supposed to be escorting, see if people like him, what general reputation was. Okay, give me a history check. Okay. You're the resident vibe checker. 19. 19, yeah, I mean, you'll find that most people have good things to say about him. Okay. I mean, some people do say that he's a bit cranky. Um, he's human. You find out that he's human, a large human. Some people do say that he's, you know, that he's pretty much like a straightforward kind of get shit done kind of kind of person. He's not not for flowery speech. He's not for messing around. He's like, you know, just really let's get things done and get them take, taken care of. You All know? right. Okay. But for some people, that that rubs some people the wrong the wrong way. But most people say he seems to be a good a good. Mm -hmm. All right, that's all I needed to do. So we'll jump to the next morning. I assume you guys were going to go to the royal stables. Yes. Yes. You guys can go up and you can go to the gate. You, you know, sim similar as, as as the previous day. Gran is there. Gran will take you again after you get through the gate and show them your, you know, the writ that'll lead you in. Uh, take you over to the stables. You guys kind of get escorted up and you're coming across the front of this, like like the side of the stables here towards the front. Uh, you do see these four large wagons and you see a group of people 
standing around talking. Uh, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, there's ten of them. Are any of them human? Uh, yes, there are a couple of them that are human. Yes, this one up here in the middle, Duke Roderick, is human. If I see a human male who looks of any kind of importance, I'll kind of skip up to him all excited. Hi, are you the Duke? Yes, I am Duke Roderick. <gasps> Uh, you, my, uh, you, my group, you're, you, you, my adventuring group that are here to help. We are, we are your protectors. We are here to help and escort you and make sure that you complete your mission. Very good, very good. Um, and you'll notice too. So, just a quick running around, uh, just so you can see what you see. So, the Duke is human. Uh, to the left is uh, Freesha Goldenrod, who is a half elf female. Um, over on the left side are two. Uh, halflings, uh, Maurice Honeymead and Mira, Hun ha Mira Honeymead. You do see um, a dragonborn, Spyro Christakis. He is an amethyst dragonborn. You see um, closest to you uh, towards the front there is Poitra. Poitra is a tiefling. Rosalie, which is behind Poitra, uh, that is a human female. Vanston Wandermere, uh, the guy over there with like the green cape on, he is a uh, half-orc male. Uh, Grulay, who stands over behind uh, Freesha Goldenrod and by the two halflings, is a furballed male. And then last but not least is Giresh, who is a centaur. Oh, okay. I immediately pull out my book and start sketching uh, Giresh, because I don't think I've seen a centaur before. Uh, they're, they're standing around, and Giresh is, is, a, is a female centaur. Okay. They all have various levels, various type of equipment on them, swords, you know, armor, etc., etc. Throughout specifics, you can ask. They do seem to be discussing, though, they're talking to Duke Roderick, um, Spyro, they're discussing uh, what the order of, like, the caravan should be in, like, what the, where the guards should be put and all that. So just goes up and leans on one of the uh, carriages while they're discussing that, just waiting for them to be done. Okay. Okay. Each of you can give me a history check. Nineteen. Three. Thirteen. Okay. So um, Aspen and Zephyr, you guys are hearing the plan. It seems to be Spyro is more like in charge. Like he seems to be kind of like Dukalor's right-hand man, like his man-at-arms, like the guy who, you know, his kind of tactician kind of thing. You don't really agree with the way they're wanna, with the way he wants to organize the, the wagon. So he seems to be talking about putting the Duke in the front wagon uh, and putting the money in the back wagon. And you just hear money, right? You don't hear you know, totally like, how much money it is. They just say, you know, the money's in the back. We should put the money in the back wagon. You, you Duke Roderick, you should be in the front wagon, and we will put the money in the back wagon. That would be the best way to do uh, it. Wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with her. That frankly seems stupid. <laughs> I'm surprised you said stupid. Well, I mean, historically, that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So both of you give me uh give me a persuasion check. Eighteen. Um, where, oh, where we go. Okay. So your 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 criticism doesn't come off too harshly. Aspen's particularly, even though she was told him he was stupid, seemed to come out pretty nicely out of her mouth. It flowed out nicely. It didn't seem to be too terribly offensive. Um, Spyro does seem to get a little, a little puffy in the chest, though. Like, 
you know, how, you know, how dare somebody contradict me, you know, that kind of attitude he seems to have. The Duke says, uh, so what order do you think we should put the wagons in? It's just the two wagons, right? There's four. Spyro seems to be saying that he thinks the Duke should be in the front and the money should be in the back because the enemies will assume that the Duke and the money is in the middle. So when they attack, they'll go for those wagons first. So we should trick them by putting, you know, putting the cargo in the different areas. No, there's a reason that it works better that way and it's protection. So they should be in the middle and the other ones should be on the outside. How many caravans have you led? Uh, 400. I have led many. I'm a fucking pirate, man. Just trust me. This, this is preposterous. She's not incorrect. If you look at history, I mean, there's not a ton of important caravans that have been raided that they write about. But historically, the ones that they do, they're going to come at you for either the rear or the front to try to slow or surprise you. They're not going to come immediately for a middle because the middle is the most defensible area because there's guards on all sides of that area. Uh, frankly, for you to suggest otherwise is just uh, no offense, Idiotic. obviously, but it, it is stupid. Give me another persuasion check. Out. Okay. Uh, 15. The Duke seems to think about it for a moment. Uh, yeah, I think she's right, Spyro. I think we got to do this, do this the traditional way this 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 time. And Spyro's kind of like, Ugh. can I get a perception check on Spyro? Sure. Uh, sixteen. Um, yeah. What do you want to know? I just does he seem trustworthy? Uh, for that, give me an insight. Oh, insight. Okay. Fourteen. So yeah, so so just a little bit on Spyro. So Spyro is um he's an amethyst dragonborn, uh, male, obviously. Um, Very well named. <laughs> uh, he's he's about 5'10", 180, 189 pounds. He's quite muscular. He wears scale mail armor and he carries a flail. Um, yeah, you you think he's he truly was trying to do what he thought was best, like really trying to uh, just move things around so that you know if things do attack, they will attack the middle and not you know the. Do I don't things. know what's worse, like if he was trying to be bad or that he was dumb enough to trip to think that he's just incompetent. There you go. That's, the, <laughs> that's the, that is the question. That is 99% of bad people are just stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do know looking at the Duke too. I mean, the Duke is, he's a pretty big guy. He, he, you think he's, he seems like he could handle himself. Yeah. He looks like he, he, he can handle himself. He's probably in his late twenties. He's got like reddish brown hair and green eyes. Moderate build, strong features, wears chainmail and carries a sword. All right. Did Spyro and it have looks any like he knows how to handle weapons it. that are visible? Yeah, flail. Okay. I want to perceive the uh, the other short people. Uh, the two the two halflings. Yes. The honey meads. Yes. Seventeen. Um, they are both ha halflings. Uh, they look very similar. Like they're probably brother and sister, maybe even twins. Hmm. Maurice is, uh, he's a very heavily armored halfling. He's got, he's got heavy armor on, shield, carrying a short, short sword. Mira, on the other hand, she, she tends to be lighter armored, so she's wearing like a, like a leather, uh, or not leather, she's wearing a breastplate only. Um, and she has a short spear and a shield. You do notice, like, <clears throat> looking at them at some point, you figure out that where they do look almost identical, uh, she is slightly taller than him. And how tall are they? 
Probably about three. He's about three foot tall, and she's about three foot one. Go up to Maurice. Be like, hello, fellow short person. I uh can't help but notice how knightly you look. I'm on my way to become a knight. Oh, really? Is that is that your goal? You want to become a knight? Uh, well, you know, the, the I, I may or may not have been promised such things by the king. Aspen like frantically gestures behind his back, like just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a, that's pretty impressive. I haven't seen the king give away some knighthoods in quite some time. Um, I'm I'm not a knight. I'm I'm merely just a warrior. Uh, but uh, are you pretty strong? I do a I do a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe we can can fight some stuff together. And teach oh, me. I'm some... sure that that will probably happen. The, the the forest is dangerous after all. You know, we're bound to get into a little bit of trouble. Well, yeah, I mean, the odds are just against us. Uh, it's a long, it's a long trip. But it's going to take three years. He <laughs> looks a little, <laughs> he looks a little puzzled at you. Uh, you no, know, uh, trip's going to take about a month. Oh, well, I, I'm not from around here, so uh, I, I must have got the uh, the legend wrong on the map. Use the wrong ruler, maybe. We we, we use the metric system where I'm from. Uh, yeah, so it'll be about a month. It'll be, but it'll be, it'll be a long trip. But I'm sure we'll make it just fine. All right. Well, uh, I got your back, bro. And then I walk off. He seems slightly puzzled by you, and in general, Mira doesn't actually speak really at all when you when you come over. She kind of just looks looks at you and uh, kind of like keeps her eye on you the whole the whole time. But she doesn't seem to really even attempt to to get into the conversation. Aspen will kind of go over towards uh, Maurice a little bit. So you mentioned, Maurice. yes, you mentioned that the uh, the forest was dangerous. What in particular comes out of the forest that is dangerous? Just so we're on the lookout for such things. Well, I mean, there's all manner of creatures out there. Besides, besides the natural beasts that roam around the forest, I mean, we could come across. I mean, I've come run into everything from. From goblins to ogres in the forest before. I mean, I don't know about this one in particular, but they could be they could be quite dangerous. Oh, but I I just made a friend with an ogre. Uh, do you know uh, Drilkabrak? She was just, a troll. Oh, that is correct. I'm so sorry. I've never met a troll before, so I kind of got them mixed up. Maybe I can make a friend of an ogre next. What do you think? They tend to. They don't tend to be very friendly. Not in my experience. Yeah, please don't do that. Is that... Yeah, they're kind of like honey badgers. Oh, but honey badgers are so sweet. Uh, but per- perhaps I should stay in-, in the back if we meet a troll. And I kind of look towards uh, uh, Zephyr and I'm like, is that the correct course of action? Well, just a minute ago, you, you were saying you should stay you in the middle. Ogre, yeah. <laughs> no, I, th- I think the people who need protecting need to stay in the middle. Um, I'm not saying I'm not in Sounds need like of protecting, need protecting, but <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the priority here, obviously. Duke Roderick is, and and the, uh, the money. She kind of like stage whispers. <laughs> <laughs> but on that point of order... Uh, 
obviously we're going to do Duke Roderick in one of the middle ones and the money in one of the middle ones because that's the better course of action. Uh, but how are we splitting up to guard these? Uh, are we each assigned a specific caravan? Are we going to rotate? What is the plan? I'll guard the buddy with Zephyr. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll take the money. Thanks, actually. That's, uh, that was... That was my plan. I was going to put the group of you upon the money cart in the center. Mm -hmm. um, you'll be in the second cart, which is where the money is, and I will be in the third. That is a fantastic plan. We are very trustworthy and a skilled. fantastic plan, yes. Absolutely trustworthy, yes. And very skilled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, skilled too, but definitely trustworthy with the money. Mm-hmm. Wisefoot kind of looks at Zephyr a little confused because he's pretty sure that she's the reason he only had two gold when they came into town. <laughs> Wait, if that's the case, I need to know how much you thought you had. <laughs> Maybe she did have enough for the sword. <laughs> Maybe she did. So they will. They will start to gather together to get uh, the like the horses out and hook them up to the wagon and such. Um, they will lead you guys over to your wagon, which is your, your wagon you guys are going to be guarding. When you look in the back of the wagon, there are um, various, there's a couple different chests in the back, the back of the wagon. Um, one of the, like, uh, Poitro will probably come over here at one point. She's got, like, a key in her hand. And she, you know, um, when you look in the back, there's, like, four chests. And then the bottom of the wagon itself opens up as, like, um, like, a door that opens up. So it's got stuff on the inside of it that's covered and it has a lock on it. And when you come over, the door is open. Now, it's kind of like the bed of a truck, right? Like the bed of a truck is flat and there's like a, like a top that goes up and down, like locks on it. Uh, and, just in, and just in the entire back of this wagon are gold bars. Oh, could we oh, oh kind my. of estimate how much it is? I feel like uh, Zephyr would have yeah, proficiency like in knowing exactly. exactly how much money that is. Yeah, give me, um, yeah, Zephyr, give me a, let's see what kind of check I want you to give me. Uh, give me an, just give me an intelligence check. Uh, that's an 18. Just for your, from the quick look you get, because you kind of get over to the back of it and Poitra comes over and she starts closing things up and locking it up and everything. The quick look that you get, uh, you think each bar is probably worth about 4,000 gold pieces. <gasps> Um, and there was more than 30 bars in the back, in the back of this one. Okay. Yeah, um... Guys, I think there's like 500 gold Poitra here. just like, is it just, <laughs> is it just gold? <laughs> is it just gold? Is there anything else that we should know about this here that, um, is, uh, that we're guarding? Um, so Poitra will turn and look at you. Yeah, so she is, uh, she seems to be like a young adult tiefling, so she's probably 17, 18 years, years old, um... Actually, she looks at you, Zephyr, and is a little bit like, hmm. you know. Uh, tiefling. Yeah, kind of like tiefling to tiefling, like kind of like, eh, yeah. we've both seen some shit, you know. Like, she kind of gives you that kind of a look, you know. Hey, are you from like the second level of hell or somewhere else in hell? I mean, like, I know not every, not all tieflings are from hell, but I'm just curious. Uh, I, am, I, am, I am from the hell. Excellent. I'm from the second level of hell myself. I have seen some things. Oh, yes. That is for another day. <laughs> she seems like kind of, you know, upset about it, but Zephyr's like imagining all of the horrible things she's seen and she's like really enjoying it in her head. 
and she goblins. and she actually doesn't look much different than you do, actually, Zephyr. Um, how tall are you? I'm about five six. Okay, so she's a little taller than you. So she's she's about five nine. She weighs like 145 pounds. Uh, red skin, jet black horns, and her eyes are also a solid black. She does wear like some leather armor, and she carries a long bow on her back and a long sword. Maybe you could tell us some stories of your time in hell around the campfire tonight. I would love to hear anything you know. Ah, oh, hell. And she, she kind of, you know, buttons things up and then she kind of walks away. I don't think she answered your question. Oh, no, she didn't. That's probably why I <laughs> I jumped into the circles of hell conversation. Uh, uh, hey, Poitra, uh, can you come back and answer my question? <laughs> what question is that? Is there anything else in here besides gold that we should know about that we're guarding? Oh, in your wagon? No, no, your wagon is just the money. Okay, just the money. Can I do an insight check to see what I think about that answer? <laughs> sure, go ahead. Give me an insight check. This is going to be terrible. Six. <laughs> you, you you think she's lying. Oh. I think there's something else going on. Guys, we should really like, double down on this. You're quite sure. You're quite sure that there's there's got to be some some something else in it. Like start poking around at the wheels. I encourage you to go dig through some stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But that you was can. a lot of gold. Like that seems like way more gold than what they told us this is for, doesn't it? And you and you guys do know. You guys do kind of look around um, as Elizmo uh, as you're poking around at the at this wagon. Um, you do notice that, for instance, um, the undercarriage of this wagon is made out of steel or iron, some some sort of metal. Uh, like the axle on the wheels is made out of metal. Um, the wheels themselves are wooden bound in metal, whereas the other the other wagons are all just kind of wooden axles and stuff. So this one this one is obviously made to carry the weight. I'm going to investigate for more secret compartments or anything. And that's an eight. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. You don't see anything at, at this point. You don't see anything, but you think that maybe, you know, later on and during the journey, you could give yourself another chance to take, to take a look around and maybe when, maybe when other people aren't watching, see if you can find something. Guys, my gnome ingenuity is telling me there's something else hidden on this thing. Oh. I'm gonna have to. Zephyr just rolls her eyes. Work on that, then. I'm gonna have to get uh, you know, called by my great ancestors, full of tinkers. Uh, see if anybody can can guide my uh nimble little fingies to find the secret latches on here. I have full faith in you. Um, if you get caught doing anything, I'm absolutely not defending oh, you. That's it. That's just a good point. Don't worry. I'm very coy. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. How did this guy end up being like a glorified babysitter for me? <laughs> so over about the next hour or so, uh, the, you know, the, they all go out, they get the horses, bring them out. Um, these are some, these are some very large draft horses, almost like Clydesdale's kind of size horses, right? That are, that are being hooked up to the front of these wagons. I immediately ask what our horse's name is. Uh, your horse's name is Buttercup. <gasps> Buttercup. Oh, you and I are going to have so much fun. Uh, and you do notice that as these wagons start to, you know, start moving, 
you know, everybody kind of hops on a wagon. You know, there's about generally about three or four people on, on on each wagon. The other wagons definitely take off faster than yours does. So even though Buttercup is quite the large horse, uh, and she's pulling this this this, this wagon. She moves a little slower than the rest of them. Definitely a significant amount of weight. Are we all riding the wagon, or are we walking along? Yes. Okay. Yep. But you don't. You're riding. You're the, so the back of the wagon's kind of open. I mean, there is there's like a like a gate that pops up, kind of like in the back of a pickup truck, so that you could you know pop the gate up and push it down to get things in the back of the wagon. Um, and it is a covered wagon, so it does have a cover over top of it too. So you really stay out of the sun and the weather. Uh, but there are spots, like on top of the wagon, you see there's like a flat spot on the back. That is where I will be. Do we have an assigned driver, or is one of us driving? No, you no, you have an okay. assigned driver. It's like, my animal handling is not that good. <laughs> okay. Is uh, Jeresh, is she assigned to a wagon in front or behind of us? Um, Jeresh, so Jeresh is behind. Okay. She's between you She's between you guys and the dude. So I would sit um, like towards the back where it kind of folds up where the, the tailgate area is. And I would just spend the entire ride just drawing Jeresh and studying the way that she moves and the way that she interacts with the other people around her, all that stuff. You go through like the first day or two. Um, everything seems to be pretty, pretty calm. Uh, you do notice a lot. Um, the honeybees, the two little halflings, uh, they do a lot of like singing. Like they seem to be uh, uh, the ones that mostly take care of the horses. So they unhook the horses and they they feed the horses, they water the horses, they you know they um, they brush the horses down. And while they're doing it, they seem to be singing the two of them, uh, and they have some good harmonies going going on. They both kind of sing together, you know, various little songs. Uh, the Duke is definitely, he is not like above any, above anybody else. He seems to be doing as much work as everybody else is. Um, <clears throat> in fact, you do notice quite often he will be going around and like making sure things are being done the way that, that they should be being done. Uh, and that he is, you know, he's kind of on top of it. He seems to be a little bit of a micromanager. <laughs> As somebody who's been on a ship for so much of her life, she loves somebody who's willing to get their hands dirty. Yeah, and I mean, and that he definitely is. I mean, there's just there's no question. He's you know when you guys stop for like a lunch and everything, he's certainly right there. He helps unhook the horses, or he you know helps pull pull out food and stuff and get things. Like get a, he helps get a fire set up. Like he certainly is a hands-on kind of. And you and you think from watching him um, that he definitely has been out in the you know the world as in as in the military for quite some time because he you know certainly knows how to like set up a camp and yeah you're about 10 days in you're starting to get a pretty good feel of, of the of the group like i said do the the, the duke's a very seems like a very nice guy but he is a very like efficient uh he is a micromanager he doesn't you don't hear him say please or thank you he does bark out orders occasionally, but he doesn't see me barking them out like in a like in a mean way. But he definitely is like, "Hey, get that done, get that done," you know. So he's constantly like kind of directing people to get to to get things done. I love a man who does who knows what he wants. He reminds me of my 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 dad or the captain or whatever. Um, he's uh, just good to take. I feel orders. like there's a lot to like, unpack you know, there, and we'll talk ever. about that later. <laughs> A lot There's to a lot unpack there, and we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> okay. 
it's fine. It's not. It's not too big of a. It's not a secret or anything. <laughs> and you and you will notice that the honeymeads they are very much attached to him. Like the two of them, you don't ever really see them apart from from each other. Um, and actually, actually, all of you can give me a uh, give me a insight roll. Eleven. Seven. Plasmo, you you definitely notice like so right, right you're you're ten days into this at the at this point. Um, you're in the forest. Uh, this is a lot of the forest is kind of wet. There are various little creeks, you know, traveling you know through the forest. There are areas where there's just kind of like you know wet areas throughout the forest that are not even creeks. They're just kind of like marshy areas here and here and there. Not real marsh like the like swampy marsh, but wet areas. Um, the two of them, even like when uh, when Mira needs to go to the bathroom, like Maurice is right there with her, and and yeah, and she's you know like she'll be like I'm gonna go to the bathroom, and Maurice will just like automatically stop whatever he's doing, hop up and start walking off with her. And a couple of times you notice that she's kind of like rolling her eyes, like really again. Is that normal in halfling culture? So like maybe she's getting a little bit bothered by the fact that her brother's stuck to her hip. Um, you don't know that as being normal. Hmm. That's a little bit. Strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll notice in like in the time, um, um, Rosley, the other human, she's quite the large woman, um, big, strong-looking woman. Uh, carries axes. She has a couple of hand axes and like a like a battle axe on her. And you know when there's downtime, she's often like throwing her axes at trees. You know, whipping the axe into a tree, with you know whipping her two axes, go pull them out. She's be often uh, using the axe. Um, as practice all the time. Even even sometimes you'll see that she'll throw one of the axes and like bounce it off an object back back towards herself. Uh, she seems nice. to be pra- she seems to be practicing that, like throwing it and you know uh, having it hit something, it bounce back at her, and she's trying to catch it, and she catches it, yeah, often, but not every time at this point. But she seems to be definitely practicing trying to find a way to make that happen. When she's doing that, Wisemo will go up to her one of those times and be like, "Hey, beautiful." You should tell me, show me that party trick. Is that something that I would love to know how to do with this bad boy? Uh, give me a persuasion check. <laughs> Everything that I've rolled this uh, session has been what I have negatives in. Uh, <laughs> or plus zeros. 16! <laughs> so she, um, <clears throat> she seems to blow off the beautiful comment, uh, but she's like, uh, and she seems to be kind of, she seems to be kind of stern as well. Um, but she's kind of like, yeah, so she kind of shows you how she's, uh, like throwing the axes and she's putting a little extra spin on it at times to bounce it off things. You know, it's coming back at her. You can give me a, uh, give me a dexterity saving throw. Uh, seven. (laughs) Okay. So, so at one point she's, uh, she's trying to, you know, show you how to bounce the axe back and she hits one that bounces, uh, hits a, like a, there's a decent sized boulder on like the side of the road and she kind of hits it. It bounces right uh, back at you and just the hand axe like clocks you right square in the face. Oh no. Oh no. You get nailed for two points of damage as the axe like bounces and hit, like you just, you went to catch it and it just cracked you right in the noggin. <laughs> oh, sorry about so that. I absolutely sees that and is cracking up. Oh no, not my moneymaker. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so you were supposed to catch that. Um, I, I, I caught it with my face. It. Sorry, I, <laughs> I would have caught it had I known you weren't going to catch it, but I thought you had it. Well, well, she's not even thinking also that her hand axes are big for you, anyways. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's a, 
So yeah, so various things you guys can kind of go through. You will notice kind of after a little while that um, uh, like Jeresh the Centaur, she's a black, uh, she's a she's a blacksmith. So they do have in like one of the wagons like a little you know a little anvil that she pops out and she's you know uh, fixing small things or making small little iron you know nails or something if something happens to break on a wagon or or something along along those lines she'll fix it. It's about the only other percents. I mean, they all, all of them have their own little thing going on, but those are about the most the, the, the most important ones. As you guys get about 10 days in, sixteen, forest, you're going to be giving me initiative. Ooh. 30, 20. As you guys are headed through this forest, you're on like this, this small road that's kind of headed through. You've come to um, this bridge that is going over the stream that is, you know, cutting right through the middle of what you're, what you're, what you're doing. And from off to sides of the road, these lizard-like creatures, they are, um, you guys can give me some nature work. Nine. Twelve. Ten. <laughs> okay, so our twelve, you know that they are Sahagwin. I know they're what? Sahagwin. They are these lizard-like, water with lizard-like creatures, um, humanoids, humanoid creatures. Uh, they are tend to be very deadly. They're, they they do some raiding. Uh, you don't know that you've seen any out in the woods like this before, um, but because there's water everywhere, it's probably why that they're out here. All right, and so that's where we will end this episode. Is on a cliffhanger. You're about to be attacked by Sahara. Guys, they've been tracking us for days. I didn't want to say anything to alert anybody. Why? <laughs> <laughs> just get literally turn around and just go shut up. You don't want to alert anybody? That's kind of odd. Didn't want to put anybody on edge. <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the edge of my log. I feel like we had need to have a very stern talking to about what your priorities are right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to and share the podcast with a friend. You can follow the podcast and its cast at TTNT Podcast on Twitter, where you can reach out with any suggestions or questions. As always, keep it weird, and we'll see you next week.